Welcome to the September 7, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Radio Show. We cover the biggest stories in Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. You can count on us being here. This is your host, Space Marine, live from space. This is Space Cadet. Thanks for listening. What is up, everybody? Bitcoin is at $6,400 this time of the morning. Space Marine, take us through this analysis. Affirmative, Space Cadet. Bitcoin's been at $6,400 for a couple days. During the last show, it was right around $6,400. And before that, it was actually at $7,400. So it had a pretty bad crash. And I was saying this in a previous show that could go right back to that support level. And it's not there yet. The support level is around $5,800, $6,000. It was at $7,400, and then it crashed down to $6,400. So it went down to $1,000. And it's still hovering $600 above that $1,500 support level. So there's more room to drop. Now for our first story. Uzbekistan legalizes cryptocurrency, sets regulations, Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. The president of Uzbekistan, Shavkat Mirziyoyev, which is a very Russian name. I probably didn't pronounce it right. I might have been close. So he's the president of Uzbekistan. He's declared cryptocurrency to be legal. And what this really means is because, like, before Uzbekistan, like, there's a page on Wikipedia listing all the countries where Bitcoin's legal and illegal. Uzbekistan wasn't even on that page nor almost all the countries around Uzbekistan in Central Asia. So basically, Uzbekistan had no laws before, so anything with cryptocurrency, anything was legal, pretty much, because there was no laws. But now there's going to be laws, so some of the things involving cryptocurrency are going to be illegal. So that's, like, the reality of this story. It sounds good that it's becoming legal, and it actually is good. We're going to talk about that. But the reality is it's actually made a lot of cryptocurrency activities illegal. So that's how legalization works. It regulates things. But the good news with this is that some of the surrounding countries, like, for example, Pakistan. Pakistan decided they don't like cryptocurrency. They think it funds terrorism. Because Pakistan has a huge terrorism problem. That's, like, where most of the Islamic terrorism is from, Pakistan. So they made cryptocurrency outright illegal, including Bitcoin. So at least Uzbekistan said, hey, we're going to try to regulate cryptocurrency, and we're going to make it legal and turn it into a real system instead of saying, no, we're going to ban this. It might be used for money laundering. So it's good news, actually. Because as cryptocurrency use is rising, they had to regulate it eventually, and now it's the time. And another thing is, the fact that Uzbekistan is just legalized cryptocurrency indicates that in that region, in Central Asia, the breakaway Soviet republics, because that's what all these stands are. There's Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, there's like more, Kazakhstan. Like all these places like barely had crypto usage, apparently, because they don't really have regulations for the most part. And the regulations are just beginning. So, like, crypto usage has increased so much since 2017 because that's when the big rally happened and a massive amount of adoption happened in 2017. Now we're seeing crypto expanding and increasing in the point in those nations in that region that they need to regulate it. So that's what's going on here. Uzbekistan has about 33 million people, about 10% of the population of the U.S. So it's a significant amount of people. And also, a neighboring country, Kyrgyzstan, is the only other one in the region to have legalized crypto or even have laws. It's the only neighboring country to, to have laws about crypto. So Kyrgyzstan legalized crypto in the same way Uzbekistan did. And so they've outlined some regulations and laws to begin with. There's a, been crypto exchanges operating in Uzbekistan on probably a pretty small scale, but maybe growing. But now they have to be officially licensed by the National Agency for Project Management, which is under the president's office. And that agency is going to issue licenses. And these licenses are going to cost money. In addition to crypto exchanges have to have a reserve of 30,000 minimum wages to get a license. And it's unknown and it's not explicit. It's inexplicit or whatever. It's 
No one knows what that means. Minimum wages, though, in 2017, the minimum wage per month was $185, and if that's the number, and it probably isn't, they might be around it, though. Then extensions need over $5 million of reserves to operate. This is pretty common stuff even in the United States. You have to have a reserve in case there's problems with anything on your exchange. If your exchange gets hacked, then there's the reserve, so everyone gets the money. It protects the investors. That's actually pretty common and good. It also, of course, makes a huge barrier for launching an exchange. Not anyone can launch an exchange. People have to have a lot of money to launch an exchange in Uzbekistan, which is the case everywhere, pretty much. It also mentions cryptocurrency mining, this presidential decree. It says that they will have to purchase specific real estate locations from the state power companies. Like, they have two state power companies with really crazy names. So any crypto farm with over 100 kilowatts will have to purchase a designated place to mine. They will not be taxing the crypto revenue, would they? Affirmative space, this is one of the major stories in this. They're not going to be taxing crypto revenue at all, and that's amazing. In the U.S., they tax it like 20%. So Uzbekistan is going to be a lot more favorable towards crypto, and this is a really good sign that they're not just trying to abuse you know, their power to get as much money out of the system. I think they're actually trying to be welcoming and at the same time safe. They're trying to prevent money laundering and terrorism and investor risk. And, but at the same time, they're trying to be very welcoming towards crypto. So way to go, Uzbekistan. They're moving the right direction. Now for our next story. Bittrex, Crypto Fossil, to launch crypto exchange in the Caribbean and Latin America. Space Marine, take us through, through this one. Affirmative Space Cadet. Bittrex is a major crypto exchange in the United States. They were around since the beginning. They were kind of small. Years ago when I was a Bitcoin dealer, but they've been growing and growing and growing. And now they're a major crypto exchange, especially since all the money they made was in crypto. And then they made like a thousand percent profit on all their profits from a few years ago. So they got pretty big and now they're expanding worldwide. And Crypto Facile, I don't know how to exactly pronounce it. Facile. Crypto Facile is headquartered in Uruguay, a South American nation near Paraguay. Next to Argentina. Yes, and that's where Space Cadet is from. So they're brand new. And they've partnered with Bittrex to launch their exchange across the Caribbean and Latin America. This is a big deal because crypto exchanges are one of the most important pieces of infrastructure that makes cryptocurrency into a real currency because it converts back and forth between fiat. So people could take their cryptocurrency and then turn it back into fiat and buy you know food and pay their rent and stuff. So it's an essential piece of infrastructure. And what this story really means... Is because there are plenty of crypto exchanges available to everyone in the world, but they only trade like U.S. dollars, euros, Japanese yen. Of course, there's a lot of other currencies being traded, but those are the major ones on the big offshore crypto exchanges from Caribbean and Latin America. But there's no crypto exchange that actually has all the currencies in the Caribbean and Latin America. There are a ton of countries in the Caribbean and Latin America, and they all have their own central bank. Generally, almost all of them have a central bank in their own currency. So what Crypto Facile will be doing is going to each of the banks, like each of the countries and funding a bank in that country and making a relationship so they can offer trading in each country's native fiat. That's a big deal. It's a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of expert guidance from Bittrex because Bittrex knows how to navigate the global regulations. And Crypto Facile will be using Bittrex's advice and guidance to go to all these banks in all these different countries and develop relationships so they'll be able to offer every fiat currency in the Caribbean and Latin America. And that's what's going to make it different, and that's what's going to make it explode. If they are able to successfully do this, then the entire Caribbean and Latin America will suddenly have a real crypto exchange, and cryptocurrency adoption will rapidly grow in that region. This is one thing Latin America needed uh, to connect, unite, and 
get together. Great concept. Affirmative space cadet. Yeah, like they're actually having problems with their currency. Like Argentina's always had bad inflation. Even like Space Cadet left there like forty years ago, thirty years ago, thirty years ago. Correct. So, and they were having horrible inflation back then, and they're still having like forty percent inflation per year. And that's not the only country there. Venezuela's had like such bad inflation. They've, you know, that's not Latin America though, but it's around there. Latin America and the Caribbean also has inflation problems, and having cryptocurrency is going to be an essential thing. And it could become the currency in the region eventually, especially when the U.S. dollar collapses, like we're talking about. If the U.S. dollar collapses, all these little currencies in these countries that are smaller than the U.S., they're going to collapse. And then they're going to need Bitcoin. So it's good that this is happening now so people could take their fiat assets and turn it into Bitcoin before any problems start. And problems have already started in some of these countries. I don't know the exact details, though. You don't want to know. <laughs> now for our next story. Most original altcoin dab... Creating super mode proof of stake, SPO as Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet, super node proof of stake, SPOS, and Sonny King's the one making this. And he was called the most original altcoin developer out there by Ethereum's Vitalik Buterin. Vitalik Buterin's like one of the most famous crypto developers. He's, he's a co-founder of Ethereum, but he's like the main co-founder of Ethereum. So he's like up there with Satoshi is, because Ethereum's like the number two crypto. It's not anywhere close to Bitcoin market cap, but it's like widely used and very important. So Vitalik Buterin's looked at like Satoshi, and Vitalik Buterin looks at Sonny King, the developer of PureCoin and PrimeCoin, as the most original altcoin developer. This is because Sonny King developed PureCoin, which was the first proof-of-stake cryptocurrency. And Ethereum's trying to become proof-of-stake soon. They will be eventually. And proof-of-stake is basically you hold crypto in your wallet. So instead of mining, which requires like a mining rig, and you calculate cryptographic hashes to group transactions into blocks and get a block reward, that's proof-of-work. Proof-of-stake, you keep coins in your wallet... And you just keep your wallet online and they stake. And you get fresh coins. You mint coins all the time from doing that. And that's because your computer, by holding coins in the wallet, helps run the network. And then Sonny King also developed PrimeCoin, which is like proof of work. But it used, like, miners have to find prime numbers. So it's not like the normal proof of work system where you have to calculate cryptographic hashes. They have to find prime numbers. So it's a totally different proof of work. So he's developed extremely original cryptocurrencies. And let me tell you, this requires like tons and tons and tons of experience and coding. Like lots and lots of work to make your own algorithm like that. Most people just copy and paste an algorithm. They can't do that. So he's extremely intelligent. And now he's creating another algorithm called Supernode Proof of Stake. It's like Proof of Stake, but it's going to have supernodes. And these supernodes are like specific, powerful hardware. And they haven't been released yet. So we don't know when Supernode Proof of Stake is going to come, but it's going to come eventually. And the supernode has a lot more bandwidth and processing power than a normal computer. So normal computers will not be able to run a supernode. They will not be able to. But someone with like pretty much a supercomputer will be able to run one. So that kind of centralizes the network. But the point of this is people will be able to... Well, the supernodes will be able to process way more transactions. Way more transactions and faster and at lower fees. So the supernodes are going to be able to bring cryptocurrency to the next scale because instead of having all these weak computers and proof of stake that are running the network there's gonna be like supercomputers running the network higher memory and all correct so sonny king's vision is to have millions of blockchains running side by side like because some platforms like ethereum for example you can have like many different blockchains pretty much connected to it so he want he's imagining like as infinite amount of blockchains running efficiently and quickly and scalable and Bitcoin's had a huge problem with scalability. Like, back in 2018, Space Cadet and I tried buying, like, $100 of Bitcoin, and then we tried sending it off of Coinbase, and it was, like, a $30 fee. And the fee actually went up over $60 at one brief moment during that crisis. So Bitcoin's not scalable yet. They're trying to do Lightning Network, and that 
might solve the problem eventually. They did segregated wetness and that helped a bit. But it's not totally scalable yet. So, but the supernode proof of stake might be a way to make an extremely scalable cryptocurrency that can handle the entire world's financial transaction volume. And maybe Bitcoin will become supernode proof of stake if, that, if it's needed eventually. So this is very important. It's not happening yet. Sunny King is launching virtual economic or economy era VEE, a new cryptocurrency that's launching really soon. And they're going to be using proof of work, proof of stake, and proof of work based on finding prime numbers. So they're using the pure coin, prime coin, and then the Bitcoin mining algorithms all together. But they said they're going to add even more algorithms. And I think that's hinting that they're going to add super node proof of stake once it's ready. It's not ready yet. Now for our next story. Bytheum airdrop costing $247 million in wash trading daily. Space Marine, take us through the story. Farmer to space it might be by them, but I think it might be bit thumb too, because Bitcoin. Anyways, they have a super airdrop festival occurring because Bitthumb actually got hacked, thirty-one million dollars. I think they got fourteen million dollars back somehow because like the hacker took it off their exchange and put it on other exchanges, and then they cooperated and got fourteen million dollars back from the thirty-one million dollar hack. And that caused some controversy because people don't like transactions being seized and reversed like that. But anyways. They got hacked so bad that they've been down like this whole time. That happened like way earlier, like months ago. And now they're, they just reopened registration. So now they're accepting new users and they're fully functional. And they want to show they're strong. So they're doing a super airdrop festival. They're giving 120% trading fee refunds. And they have 1 billion Korean won set aside every day for this refund. And that comes out to 167 million Korean won. 149,000 US dollars of rewards, profits each day for trading. Because people get back their trading fee plus 20% on the first 1 billion of rewards, kind of. It's hard, it's hard to explain. Someone did the math, it makes it easier to explain. Basically, someone has to do, there has to be 278 billion Korean won, which is $248 million US dollars of trading volume to get that 1 billion refund of Korean won. And that comes out to about $149,000 each day of profit spread across the people that seize this opportunity. And what this really does is it creates wash trading. Wash trading is when you set up one account that sells and then another account that buys from that account instantly. So you own both accounts. And in a case like this, people are really incentivized. They have an incentive to wash trade because they get paid to do it. They get profits just to wash trade. It's so easy. So literally at 11 a.m. every morning, I don't know what time that is, maybe 11 a.m. Korean time, that's when the Super Airdrop Festival reward resets because they only do a certain amount per day or they go broke. So they do a certain amount per day. And right when that limit resets at like 11 a.m., whatever time that is, there's been like a spike of, you guessed it, like 252 billion Korean won of volume right in the Bitcoin. And then there's like the rest of it, the other 26 billion of Korean won available for this reward is done in the other currencies on their site. So right when the reward resets, it, ger it generates a tremendous amount of volume, $250 million. And just to put this in perspective, the biggest exchanges in the world have like $500 million of volume per day, a billion dollars per day on good days, sometimes a little more. So $250 million per volume a day from watch trading has skyrocketed bit them to like number five in the world, right behind like Binance, Huobi, Okay, coin and Bitfinex around there. It's like around the same size as Bitfinex's volume now, because not only has the wash trading like made a tremendous amount of volume, 
it's attracted a lot of people because people are looking at these volume stats. I mean, like, wow, that's a strong exchange. They have lots of liquidity, lots of activity because they don't know about this super airdrop festival, so they think it's real volume. And that's caused a, a lot of volume on top of it. They have $200 million of real volume per day on top of this fake volume. And before this, I'm not 100% sure. It's hard to find the stats for this, but I think I remember from my memory that they only had like tens of millions of dollars of trading volume per day before their hack. Before the hack, they had tens of millions. Now they have like $200 million of real volume per day, plus this like $250 million of fake volume. And then when you do the math, it's costing $149,000 per day for the Super Airdrop Festival, but they're actually making $600,000 per day of profits from the real trading volume. So this is like a really good business strategy. It's attracting all this volume, which is making them more money than the airdrop costs, plus a tidy profit on top of that. So they might just do Super Airdrop Festival forever. They actually, they're actually calling the season one of the Super Airdrop Festival, so I think they're going to have like season two, season three, season four, and they might even make it more lucrative to attract even more people. And it seems like a really good strategy, and I think other people are going to start copying this because it's attracting a ton of volume and skyrocketing bit them to the top of the trading volume in the top five. That's all we have for you today on the September 7th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Radio Show. Go to BitcoinNews.com every single day for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto news. I guarantee if you read BitcoinNews.com, you will be an expert in the fields in no time. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out, going to Pluto. And this is Space Cadet. Thanks for listening. Adios, Adios amigos. amigos.